The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Christian Winfield of the Daily News will talk Brooklyn Nets at the bottom of the hour here on 98.7 ESPN. What a game. Can I just say this? And we'll talk, as I mentioned, Nets at the bottom of the hour. Every single game is going to be like this game today. I'm just telling you. Because these teams are so evenly matched. There was great play on both sides. Kyrie Irving was sensational. Jason Tatum was sensational. Back and forth. This is what you this is that's why everybody's been talking about this matchup in the NBA specifically. Now there have been some other games. I mean the, the Minnesota game yesterday was interesting, surprising. I like how the Timberwolves came out. And remember, I told you about that series, right? I told you I would had my eye on that Minnesota Memphis series and how Patrick Beverly was going to affect John Morant and also affect this Memphis team who had not been in the postseason. So in a while and not with this crew. So for them, the, the new experience and Beverly, who's had playoff experience, bringing that attitude and that physicality and that mentality. I had the Wolf Frazier moment uh, to the, Timberwolves was going to be interesting. And so I've got my eye on that series. And listen, Tyrese Maxey, big as Philly, pulled out the game against uh, the Raptors. So it's been an interesting weekend of opening round of, I'm sorry, NBA Western first round. I'm looking at the NBA Western first round playoff game between the Pelicans and the Suns. Suns up by the score of 76 to 68. And the Pelicans making the run here. It's been it's really been all Suns. I mean, Suns were up by at least 20. But the Pelicans have gone on an 18-4 run over the past oh, five minutes or so. And they've cut into this lead and made this a competitive game. But it's been an interesting weekend. I've had a great week. This has been a great. This has been an, a fantabulous sports weekend. You had baseball on this weekend. You had all the hockey games. You had the NBA on with the playoffs and play-in and all this stuff. Oh, it was just it was just Fabulous game. As I said in the tweet, couldn't wait to talk to you guys here at 1-800-919-3776. Let's talk a little baseball. The Mets are playing very well. And what they're doing is they're taking advantage of the schedule. Now, the Phillies are, listen, in your division, so that's always that always means more, right? That always means more because you want to have the best record in your division because that will help you win the division. And Philly is a team that can hit. They don't, they don't play defense well. Their pitching is, eh, bullpens, eh. But they can hit. And the Mets were able to take the series from them. Now you've got the Diamondbacks in. And really, they took the series. And you know how I feel. You win series, you're good. Give me a baseball team that wins series. If they win three series a week, you got the opportunity right there to have at least 90 wins. Easily. That's how you get 90 wins. You got 90 wins. You're in the playoff conversation. So you keep winning series. That's where you go. And for me, the biggest surprise with the Mets has been the guys who have filled in have pitched well. McGill pitched well. Right? Peterson today pitched well in relief of Tyron Walker. You even miss Tyron Walker today. So the starters have been good. The bullpen, with the exception of Seth Lugo, who had a tough time yesterday, 
in the only game that the Diamondbacks won this weekend. And, of course, you're looking at the Diamondbacks, you're thinking sweep. You're a Met fan, you're thinking sweep right off the bat. We can beat these guys. Didn't get the sweep, took two out of three, I'm good. Now we get ready for a very talented San Francisco Giants team. And I'm really interested to see if this Giants team is going to be like last year's Giants team that surprised everybody. When you were talking the West last year in Major League Baseball, you weren't thinking San Francisco. You were thinking San Diego. And San Diego, nowhere to be found. (laughs) Nowhere to be found. It was Dodgers, Giants. It was just like, it was back, oh, what, 70 years, 60 years? Back here when all three teams were in New York. When you had the New York Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers, and the New York Yankees. It was like a flashback. And that's the way it was last year. So we're getting an early look at the Giants uh, beginning tomorrow. But you're like, the hitting is starting to come around. How? (laughs) I'm sorry, I, I caught myself because I just had a flashback of watching poor Sterling Marte in the outfield trying to get trying to catch baseballs in that wind. This weather is incredible, right? We had rain, you had the really beautiful days, and then you had freezing weather. It's 40 degrees outside right now. And it was windy today, and the ball was playing havoc with the fielders, and they were having a rough time. But once again, the Mets found a way to win, got some offense. Peter Alonso's heating up a little bit. And it's funny, his stats are, it, it's crazy. Because there's there's been this conversation about him, and he's like, I, I want to play every day. Not that he's upset about being a DH, but he doesn't want to be labeled as a guy who's just a DH guy. right? Nobody wants to be labeled. Nobody wants to be Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, he's the DH. He's the DH every day. And just look how, and we'll get the Yankees in a minute, just look how last year he improved so much when you put him in the field because it made him feel like a complete ball player. I've had conversations throughout my career with players who have talked about how tough it is to stay in the game at the DH position. What do you do? You go under the, you go in the tunnel and you take some swings, you sit on the bench, you try to do, it's hard to stay in the game, even though you're standing in the outfield and you may not have a ball hit to you for eight innings you're still in the game on every pitch because it could be hit to you at any moment or a loose ball could get away in the infield and you're, you're, you know, you have to be in the game. And I think that's what makes players complete when they have to play the field. And so Peter Alonso doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to be known as a complete player. That's important. That's, that's, that's big to him. And to a lot of major leaguers, but all three of Alonso's home runs and 11 of his 14 RBIs have come when he's been the DH, had a home run today as the DH with Dom Smith playing first base. So, uh, listen, as long as the Mets continue to win, Marte had a great game yesterday. They're finding ways to get hits. The offense looks good. And right now they are playing excellent baseball. They're playing crisp baseball. They're, they're winning. They're finding, they're getting key hits in moments. I mean, they just look really good. They look really, really good. And when you look at their success, and they've gotten off to really good starts previously. Okay, this is not a new thing. Okay, this is not new. But I will say this. Uh, they are now 7-3. and three. 
It's the best 10-game start since opening 9-1 in 2018. And they love playing Arizona, especially here at City Field. 12 of 13 home wins against Arizona dating back to August 2017. Love it. They love it. And obviously, they are sitting atop of the NL East. Atlanta, two and a half out, along with Miami. Atlanta, five and six. Miami, four and five. Philadelphia, four and six. Three games out. And Washington, four and seven, three and a half out. Yeah, I'm scoreboard watching already. <laughs> so the Mets sit atop, and they're the only team playing over 500 baseball in the division. So that's a good thing. Am I happy about that? Ecstatic. Ecstatic. Let's just keep it going. As far as the Yankees are concerned, boy, do they need a day off tomorrow before they head to Detroit, and hopefully they can get fat off of Tiger pitching. And it's really, really sad for the Yankees because they wasted a performance today by a guy who, if you listen to Gordon Damer and I on ESPN New York tonight, Monday through, uh, Monday through Thursday from 10 until midnight, or after any games that we're broadcasting here on 98.7, I talk about this guy a lot. I have a lot of respect for him. And today, he showed out. I'll explain who that is next. The Yankees had one of those guys, and he is Nestor Cortez. And today, he struck out the side on nine pitches in the fourth inning. He struck out the side in the second inning. He finished with 12 strikeouts in five innings. Now, according to SIG, he's the first Yankee pitcher to strike out 12 or more in an outing of five innings or fewer. And when you watch him pitch, he is, he's not a thrower. He is the definition of a pitcher. Location, 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 change speeds, change the eye level, move you around, the preparation and the, the, the work ethic and the simpatico that he has with his catchers has been great. Like I, I am, I, I, if he was if he was a guy who threw over 100 miles an hour, he wouldn't be this good as a pitcher lo in location. I'm just telling you, because he would rely on this stuff. He would have the attitude of saying, I can throw it by anybody. But because he doesn't have a 110-mile-an-hour fastball, and he has a bunch of off-speed pitches, changes motions, low hesitation, drops down three quarters. I mean, he is he is just entertaining to watch. And he put on a show today. He did. 15, yeah, 12 strikeouts in five innings. And the Yankees don't score a run. They don't, they don't score a run. And to make matters worse, not only do they lose the game, but it was pinch hitter Rudnit Odor, the former Yankee, who broke a scoreless tie with a two-run single in the eighth inning. I mean, are you kidding me right now? I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it's amazing. It is amazing. And once again, it's early, okay? It's not, it's not nothing to get panicky about. Oh, and by the way, let's give Tim, Lo, uh, Tim Locastro a nod, a tip of the cap, for his sensational diving catch on the ball hit uh, by Mancini in the sixth inning, left center. Diving catch, outstanding play. Outstanding. But once again, when we're talking about this Yankee team, 
and we're talking about the frustrations of this Yankee team. We're talking about the fact that they just can't score runs. They only had four hits. Four hits. Four. They were one for three with runners in scoring position. And they had seven men left on base. I mean, what is going on with this offense? Four hits. And DJ was two for three. Higashioka had one hit. And Hicks had a hit. Everybody else, offers. Offers. Everybody else in the lineup. This team has got to get going offensively. They really do. Once again, I get that it's early. I get that they're, they're five and five. It's not like they're, you know, it's not like they're, they're not three and six like the Orioles. Okay, they're five and five. They're still, you know, it's it's a it's an early season. It's early. It's early. It's only ten games. But when you're facing an Orioles team. For Yankee fans, Baltimore is to the Yankees what the Diamondbacks have been to the Mets. The Mets have rolled over the Diamondbacks. And last year, the Yankees had trouble with Baltimore. And ultimately, it cost them a position that they they would have had a better record. Instead of waiting late to try to get the wild card, had they dominated the Orioles like they normally do. Now, no disrespect to the Orioles, which means I'm about to disrespect them, right? No disrespect to the Orioles, but this pitching staff is not exactly, uh, you know, Smoltz and Glavin <laughs> of Atlanta in the 90s, all right? It's not exactly Drysdale and Koufax. It's not Seaver and Kuzma. Okay, it's not. I, I'm I'm stunned that the Yankees had trouble with the Orioles. I mean, okay, if you lose, okay, it happens. But to be shut out, they didn't they haven't scored. They just don't score. I mean, and and Aaron Boone talks about it all the time. He's, he's got to be concerned. You have to be. I mean, he's putting a a good twist on it like he always does. But when you get a performance that you got from Nestor Cortez, and you get a great play like you got from Tim LaCastro. It's wasted. I mean, four hits. Four. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, we'll see what the Yankee Ace does. Tuesday, when they face the Tigers, Gary Cole will be on the mound. And uh, we'll see what Gary Cole Yankee fans get in this contest because they have been very unhappy with the Garrett Cole that has been towing the rubber for the pinstripe crew uh, of late. Very unhappy. Very, very unhappy. All right, let's talk a little basketball. As I mentioned in the bottom of the hour, we'll hear from Christian Winfield, covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Daily News. He's in Beantown. And we'll get him to take us inside what was going on. This was, though, from start to finish, it was an exciting, well-played, well, pl- well played, 
back and forth game between two very talented basketball teams. Was it a perfect game? No. But you had turnovers, you had physical play. This game, take away some of the turnovers, this game was in the epitome of what playoff basketball is from a physical nature of two teams who are really talented, who can put multiple folks on the floor and who do a really, really good job of scoring and, and in key moments can play some good defense. I'm not going to tell you that the Nets are a great defensive basketball team because they are not, but they are, they can turn up the heat on you and they did in the fourth quarter where, where Kyrie Irving just shut down Boston. They had no answer for him whatsoever. They could, they didn't know what was going on. Kyrie Irving today was in the word incredible. 39 points, 18 in the fourth quarter. Okay. 39 points, 18 in the fourth quarter. Now after the game, Steve Nash was talking and gave his thought process about, and we'll talk about the final possession in a second, but he was talking about how Kyrie Irving and the crowd, because there was some, you know, you know how Boston fans feel about Kyrie. <laughs> okay, you know. They're not a big fan because of the situation that he told me was coming back. I mean, you guys know what happened there. All right? So now every time he comes back there, they can't wait for him to mess up. They're loving it. But he was giving it right back to him on the court. Now, he made a couple of gestures that I'm sure is going to cost him some cash. But afterwards, Steve Nash was asked, does the crowd fuel Kyrie Irving to have the fourth quarter that he had in game one this afternoon? This is a guy that's um, made the game-winning shot in the finals. Uh, he's played in the Olympics. He's played in an all-star game, all-star game MVP. You know, he, he, there's, I don't know that there's any atmospheres that are really going to rattle him. You know, so... That was kind of my point before the game. You know, I don't. You know, that's not it. If he has an off night, he has an off night. I don't think the crowd is a is a factor for Kyrie. He's the guy's done done about all you can do in the game. All right, coach. Let's talk about that final possession. It seemed as though, and, and you look at it, and really, what hurt the Nets was the possession before that, right? The possession before that defensively hurt them because they let Jalen Brown just come right down. Kyrie hits the three pointer. Okay, seven seconds later. Boom, here comes Jalen Brown all the way down and just lays it up and in. No, 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 they ain't time off the clock. They just opened the field, everything. Okay, now afterwards in the postgame, a couple of the players said they were told no three-pointers and no fouls. Yeah, but he didn't mean just open the door and let him go. That's what they did. So open the door, he makes the layup. They come back now, the Nets come back, and they double Kyrie. They, they do a great job forcing the double on him. He tries to move the ball. He can't. He's trapped. He gives it to Durant. With time running out, Durant has to put up a force three. And it, it, it was closer than it really should have been. And then they come right down, okay, with that. And they have a play. And the ball goes over to uh, Smart. Smart pump fakes, gets two nets up in the air. He comes in, and then Tatum cuts to the basket, spins on Kyrie, gets the pass, lays it up at the buzzer. So, Steve Nash, take us through that final possession. Yeah, you know, at that point, it's a little bit random. They they pushed it, and uh, instead of calling a timeout, I thought we took away the first action with uh, Brown, 
uh, went to smart. I thought we were, we were intelligent on that side of the action, but he got in a crack and somehow found Tatum who, who made an intelligent cut. So, you know, uh, split second here or there and, and uh, the game goes the other way. It was a great play. It was a great play. Tough one for the net. You know what? This is a game that would that would have been a tough loss for either team. It's a tough loss for the Nets who fought back. They were down 15, 16 points. They fought back. They have the lead with 40 seconds left in the game and lose on a last-second layup. And then if it's Boston, you have a 15, 16-point lead at home, and you lose that game. Either one of those would have been a tough loss for either team. I tell you, it's going to be a nice series. When we return, Christian Winfield will break it down a little bit more. Celtics, Nets, game one. Next. After a game like this, I had to make a phone call. I put the I put the bat signal up in the air, the KW, and Christian Winfield is here from Boston to chat from the Daily News. He does a great job covering the Brooklyn Nets, and he's with us here on 98.7 ESPN. Christian, thanks for a couple of minutes. Man, it's the dark side, Larry. It's the dark side. You got to embrace it, man. You got to embrace it. How's it going? It's going great, my friend. Take us through the emotion in that game. Take us through the crowd. Take us through all that you witnessed while you were covering this game. Oh, man. When you talk about had a game ready to steal only to have it stolen back from you, that's what this game was tonight, Larry. I mean, the Nets were tit for tat right there with the Celtics through a first half where Kevin Durant had a pretty poor shooting game. I mean, this is a Hall of Fame first ballot player who was shooting. I mean, I think he started the game one for seven, couldn't get anything to drop, and you're still tied at halftime. You come out at halftime and you just go to sleep and let the, let the Celtics build a 15-point lead. And then they claw back into this tooth and nail. Kyrie getting booed the entire game, getting cursed out by fans to build the lead down the stretch. And then it all just kind of unraveled on that final play of the game. I mean, you saw it. The, the, the Celtics didn't call a timeout. Credit to Ime Udoka, who doesn't call a timeout. Instead, lets his team just go play it out. The ball moves around. Tatum gets a, a layup. Has to spin around Kyrie Irving for that layup in the first place. I mean, if he had tried to just go straight up, that would have been a charge, right? And so he spins around Kyrie, and here we are talking about a loss. That should have been a Nets win, in my opinion, when you consider how they fought back. Tough, tough loss to swallow for this team, especially when you consider they've got to come back here for another game in Boston. Those fans are going to be ready. Kyrie had 39. You know, you know that the Celtics are going to come back and prepare for him to have such a, a, another big game. But it, it's just a tough, a tough loss for the Nets to swallow. But and here's what I asked Kevin Durant at the end of the game. I mean, for him to only come out and shoot nine of 24 from the field and for them to lose by one, it's got to feel a little bit good for them in some way, right? It doesn't feel good to have a loss, but when you have a loss and Kevin Durant doesn't answer the bell, you've got to assume he's going to answer the bell in the next game. I think that's where the Nets are at right now. Yes, they had a chance to win tonight, but if Kevin Durant comes out and he's himself in game two and Kyrie can put forth some type of effort that looks like what he had tonight, I think I like the Nets odds in game two. Not going to lie to you, Larry. So, Christian, answer me this, and I know that Steve Nash has done some interesting things with lineups, and I'm just curious, and I think it was sure. mentioned on the broadcast as well. Uh, and Claxton has been, for me, fabulous defensively sure. he's been a shot block he's been a rebounder he's been fabulous yeah. from the offensive standpoint with Drummond in foul trouble mm-hmm. so early w- will we not see LaMarcus Aldridge it's unfortunate because I, to be honest I think the answer is no 
you know, when you consider the defensive end, which is where the Nets struggled so much, Marcus Aldridge, as much as he gives you on the offensive end and he gives you a whole lot, he's got slow feet. He's not mm. able to switch on to a guy like Jason Tatum, a guy like Jalen Brown. If you put him on there, you might as well just put two points on the board, Larry, and that's why he's a guy just like Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's got quicker feet than Marcus Aldridge and he's still on the bench. And it's unfortunate because we know what LaMarcus Aldridge's all-star pedigree is. We know he's a guy who will go out there and get you 20, 25 on a nightly basis. But his inability to, to really be a versatile defender, he's not really a dominant rebounder. I'll tell you this. Once Andre Drummond came in and became that starting center, became that guy who's going to get you at least 10 rebounds on a nightly basis if, if he gets the minutes, a guy who can control the paint and protect the paint and really protect the rim for that matter, and on top of that, LaMarcus Aldridge went down with that injury in the middle of the season. It kind of just spelled the end of his minutes. And you see the emergence of Nick Claxton. And you see Kevin Durant playing a little bit of the small ball five. You know, LaMarcus, Steve might call on LaMarcus to play some spotty minutes here and there if Andre gets in foul trouble or if Nick gets in foul trouble. But to be honest, I, we might not see LaMarcus Aldridge unless things get really murky, which is maybe in like game five or game six which I don't see happening. It could happen. Don't get me wrong. He could bring out LaMarcus in game two and say, hey, we fooled you here. You can't use coming. But <laughs> from what I've seen in these last few games, I don't I don't think we're going to see LaMarcus in this series unless somebody gets in foul trouble or unless it needs that, unless the Nets need that scoring punch, which, I mean, with KD, Kyrie, Seth Curry, and all these other guys, they might not need the series. Christian, what, so what is the move for Steve Nash to do to compensate? Because – the rebounding was an issue. It's it's always it's been an issue with the Nets. That's why they really wanted Drummond, and Drummond has really helped them. But off the sure. offensive glass, they got the Celtics got multiple opportunities, and when he has to play small, the Nets this doesn't help them. So what what's the what are some of the other options that they have, or is what we saw today pretty much what they have to do? Look, you know, in my opinion, Larry, the, the Nets lost this game in the first three minutes of the third quarter when the Celtics went on that 11-2 run. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's right then and there. That's just attention to detail. That's being locked in, coming out of the gate. The Celtics are known to have strong third quarters, and so are the Nets for some for some of these games that we've seen them this year. But, I mean, you can't come out here and let the Celtics just run you on the offensive glass. Marcus Smart came up and stole an inbounds pass from Kyrie Irving, and the Nets just didn't look like the same team. And those are the errors that can't happen. Unforced errors cannot happen. Kevin Durant coming out, turning the ball over six times, it can't happen. And I think that ultimately is going to be what changes the series. Yes, the Celtics won this game, but Kevin Durant missed 15 shots and made nine. That's not his, that's not his M.O. Kevin Durant is a guy who over the course of NBA history has made more shots than he's missed. I think he's going to come back and play a sensational game, too. But what you realize here is that this Celtics crowd is not one that's going to let up anytime soon. Kyrie gave you a 39-point night. Can you expect that from him every single night? It remains to be seen. What you need is Kevin Durant coming up, giving you basically a 35-point triple-double on every, basically every time he touches the floor. And on top of that, Seth Curry didn't have his best game. Patty Mills didn't have his best game. Those guys also need to step up. Bruce Brown played a particularly poor game after he trash-talked Al Horford and Daniel Tyson and went rock. I'll tell you something right now, Larry. You know, before the game tipped off, the Celtics put Bruce Brown's quote on the Jumbotron where he was talking about Robert Williams being out and the Celtics mean, and the Nets need to take advantage of Al Horford and Daniel Tyson. Al Horford came out and gave them a 20-point double-double. You know he heard those comments. So, the Nets need to step it out. Their role players need to step up, but also I'm looking for Kevin Durant to come out in, in game two, and that'll be the difference right there. Jason Tatum gave you a great game share. The Celtics had four players who scored 20-plus 20, 20 points. Cool. Kevin Durant coming out and giving you a 35-point 
10 assists, 8 rebound game completely changed the complexion of the series. And I think that's what we're going to see in game two. Christian Winfield, who covers the Nets for the Daily News, is my guest. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Christian, I don't think you'll have Kevin Durant will play another game like that maybe ever. Okay, but certainly not yeah. in this series. So my the curious thing for me is now, where are they going to get the other points? You mentioned it from Seth Curry. You mentioned it about Patty Mills. Uh, but let's talk about Boston a second because for some reason, sure. they, they, play, they play defense well. And their communication is pretty good. I, and I just think what they're going to – and to be honest, they really should have tried to do a little bit more with Kyrie when, when Kevin Durant wasn't on the floor. I mean, how do you let sure. – there's, there's one guy – that's the one guy you can't let beat you when he's on the floor by himself, you know, and, and, and he almost did. So what are you looking for from Boston's side that they may improve better? Because for me, the other thing I saw, they missed a lot of layups tonight too. 100%. And you have to remember – you made Odoka spend some time in Brooklyn before he took that head coaching job in Boston. I asked him this tonight. I asked him this before. You know, funny enough, on March 6th when the Celtics came to Brooklyn, I asked him, hey, you know, you used to play here in Brooklyn. You used to coach here in Brooklyn. Does that experience help you playing against them tonight? And he said to me, hey, listen, you know, we know basically all roads go through Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as the Nets aren't going to run anything super creative. Their offensive sets aren't what's going to beat us. This is going to be the sheer greatness of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And if you ask me, he may got bailed out tonight. The Celtics got bailed out today. Kevin Durant missed makeable shots. That's why he had that voice in his in, in post game where he just said he looked dejected. He sounded like a guy who knew he left some points on the board because if he just hits one or more of those shots, we're having a completely different conversation right now. We're talking about the Nets being down 0-1 to the Nets being up 0-1 on the road in Boston. And if they can, all they need to get is one game and they can swing the series in their favor. So you have to see what the Celtics need to do. I mean, they played, in my opinion, they played a pretty good game. They got out to a pretty big lead in the third quarter. They held that lead for as long as they could. Tatum went off. You had help from the other guys. I think the Nets lost this game more than the Celtics took it. I think it's on the Nets to come back. Because you've got that Celtics fan base that is going to rally around those players. You've got Tatum, who's an all-NBA guy. Marcus Smart played an, an incredible game, but the, the stat line didn't necessarily reflect it. They're, I think the Celtics are going to get better from here. I think Kevin Durant is going to get better from here. I think Patty Mills is going to step up and answer the bell. Bruce, Bruce Brown is a Boston native. He's got to come up and answer the bell. I think we're for a seven-game series. I think this is going the complete distance of this entire series. I think this game, the series is going to be decided in Boston. And uh, I just can't wait to see. I, I'm ready for game two. I can't wait to see what happens. This is, this is the series that everybody's been talking about in the East. Uh, you know, with all due sure. respect to the other teams, uh, this is the one because th when you look at it, these teams are very evenly matched. And it's, it's funny, when you, and you've covered this team all year, so you know. I mean, when you have two superstars who are phenomenal players sure. like Kyrie and KD, they can win any game at any time. The question is going to be, can the Nets get enough stops in key moments of games where they were able, they're able that they don't have to outscore their opponent every night, and that's going to be what has to happen in this series if they're going to beat Boston. You know, there's another question, and this is part of me why I think that the Nets kind of squandered the game here. Can they continue to get good games from their role players? You saw Goran Dragic step up and hit big shots. You saw a bunch of different players step up when it mattered most, and now you got a 39-point game from Kyrie that you're, we're not certain we're going to get that same game from Kyrie in game. So we've seen Kyrie kind of succumb 
to this Celtics crowd. And he had some words for that Celtics crowd at the end of the game. He was talking about how he's going to give them the same energy that they gave him. Well, okay, well, where's the energy from Kevin Durant? And this is why I've said the entire season. If you're not getting a great game from KD and Kyrie, I don't know how the Nets are going to go out here and win games. We've had Steve Nash come out and say he can't rest KD because if he rests KD, it's going to result in a loss. Well, tonight, you, you, you see Kevin Durant shoot 9 of 24. And, you know, I mean, 9 of 24 for your average player isn't the worst possible game. Is it bad? Yeah. Is, is, is it poor? Yes. Is it the worst? No. For Kevin Durant, I mean, this is a guy who is perennially 50-40-90 club, right? He's a guy who prides himself on efficiency. He needs to come out here and be that difference maker that we know him to be, and I think we'll see that. But to your point, I mean, you had a game tonight where the role player stepped up, but and I think Bruce Brown should feel the type of way because he spoke about the comments that he had about Robert Williams. He got a 20-point game from Al Horford, a 20-point double-double. You let Al Horford, who, I mean, I love Al Horford, and he used to be an, all, an all-star perennially, but right now he's at the tail end of his career, moving about three and a half miles an hour, and you let him get 20 and 12 on you, that's not okay. So I think the Nets are going to come out here. They've got two days off. They're going to really really understand what the Celtics did with Kevin Durant, which is run multiple bodies. I have shown different looks every time he touched the ball. They're going to have to get creative with different ways to get Kevin Durant looks. Kyrie Irving needs to be at that same level of efficiency. They need a better game from Seth Curry, right? They need a better game from Bruce Brown. If they get those things, I think the next come out and win game too. But with that, with that Celtics crowd, man, it's tough. The energy that the, the, that the Celtics play with at home is tough. You're going to get another better game from, from Marcus Smart, I think, in game two, probably from Jalen Brown in game two. I don't know which way game two goes. Like, if the Nets go down 0-2 and not still a game in Boston while here in the first go-round, that's going to be tough, man. It's going to be really tough. Last thing. Will we see Ben Simmons in this series? Let me tell you this, Larry. I'm sitting here watching three games. Ben Simmons go through his pregame routine, and it's gotten more – what's a good word? His pregame routine has gotten more energetic every single time that he's taken the floor. But this time, there was just some – there was a feeling – with me watching Simmons from probably, I'd say, about 20 feet away. I'm watching Ben Simmons from 20 feet away, and he looks like someone who wants to play right now but can't. We're watching him go through pregame workouts, going through these dribbles, and he's, like, moving at almost game speed. I'm watching him throw kind of windmill-looking passes, and I'm thinking to myself, if this guy has a lower back injury, he shouldn't be able to make this type of pass, right? But at the same time, we're watching Zion Williamson do 360 windmills, and we're watching Ben Simmons do one-handed dunks where he's getting five feet off the ground. And I don't think that he's as close to returning as Zion might be, but I will say this. There have been some reports where he could come back in a week, 10 days, and after what I saw today, those reports don't seem as far-fetched. So game four, five, six might be the window for Ben Simmons to come back, but I'll tell you this. The Nets better not be trying to buy time for him to come back because he's got a lower back injury. He's going to have any hope of defending Ben Simmons, of defending Jason Tatum, excuse me. His lower back better be the least of his worries because Jason Tatum was tearing the Nets apart. And if that's what the Nets want Ben Simmons on the floor to do, he's not ready to do that right now. So he looks okay. He looks like he's trending in the right direction, sure. But to be putting any stock in him as a Jason Tatum stopper at this point with him dealing with a herniated disc, I don't think that's any fair. He looks like he's moving, he's trending in the right direction, but the Nets are going to have to treat this series as if he's not going to be there because if he does play, I don't see him going more than 15 minutes a game, if that. Well, you know how they stretch out the first round. Was it Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday? Right. He, he could be. <laughs> he could be ready, Listen, Christian. He could if, be. If Ben Simmons is able to play, and let me let me put it this way. If Ben Simmons looks like himself, 100% Ben Simmons for 15 minutes, if he's able to defend Jason Tatum 
make plays in transition, that changes this team. If he's not, they better be sure they're getting 15-5-5 from Bruce Brown and better be sure Patty Mills is going to hit three threes and Seth Curry's going to hit three threes because the way the Celtics are playing defense tonight, that's going to be tough to score on. Kristen Winfield, keep up the great work. We'll be reading you on in the Daily News. It's going to be a heck of a series, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Appreciate you for having me, Larry. Anytime. All right. Thank you, sir. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.